You're listening to The Birdbath, presented by The Fountain Report. I'm your host, Ryan Leach. Welcome back to The Birdbath. Each week, we scrape the surface of the news you need to know, so let's get into it. As promised, we're kicking this week off to announce the winner of Leap Venture Studios Fellowship 2023. At the end of their week in France, they had a peer-voted award. The winner of that award ended up being VitaPaws. VitaPaws describes themselves in their website by saying, We confront an urgent crisis. Our approach to animal healthcare is fraught with ethical and financial inefficiencies. But we're not standing idly by. We're disrupting this outdated model with our patent-pending technology that drastically reduces both animal testing and R&D costs. We're far more than a pet biotech company. We're a movement. We aim to eliminate the barriers of untreatable diseases by leveraging cutting-edge ethical solutions. No longer will the treatment of complex pet ailments require a compromise on ethics or budget. I can definitely see how they won a peer-voted award. I look forward to seeing what VitaPause brings to the market here. You can check out their website. There's a lot of, um, it's sparse on information, but there's quite a few images that are shocking and and quite a bit to take in, which makes you want to sign up and see what else they're going to do to be able to tackle some of the difficulties around animal testing and and the R&D in the veterinary industry. Hills Pet Nutrition released their State of Shelter Adoption Report for the year. The report surveyed more than 1,500 adults and explored the root causes behind shelter overcrowding and decreased adoption rates. It also unveiled consumer perspectives on barriers to pet adoption, as well as consumer want in sheltered pets, the positive impact of shelter animals, the importance of caring for people who care for pets, and actionable ways to create a brighter future for shelters, pets, and those who care for them. In the report, they pulled out quite a few things that I thought were unique and maybe what I hadn't thought of before, but they found that 71% of people cited cost of pet ownerships with veterinary care as the top expenditure as a reason why they haven't adopted a pet. They also found that 41% of pet owners elected to acquire a pet from a non-shelter source, which actually was kind of interesting to me. I, I would have thought that I found that statistic pretty interesting because 41% of pets were purchased is basically what that's saying, or they were brought from family or or something that effect. But I kind of thought it was higher than that, or at least closer to a 50-50, if not higher number of people actually purchasing pets as opposed to adopting them. So good news in that aspect. The reasons why people said that they didn't go with an adoption from a shelter was that 23% couldn't find the desired age, breed, or size of a pet at the shelter that they visited. Um, And then 35% were concerned about health or behavioral issues of the shelter pets. Now, the last thing that was pretty interesting was the idea around foster failing. Uh, This is something that uh, a good friend of mine and former CFO at one of our companies and, and CFO at Austin Pets Alive, RJ Peters, definitely mentioned when he talked about the many cats that his family has fostered and and sort of that feeling of wanting to adopt all of them, which is the term foster failing. But they say foster failing is a viable alternative to adoption. The report cites that fostering is an important alternative to adoption and that it actually helps soften the adoption crisis. 
It's one of those things that allows there to be sort of an intermediary between shelter animals and actually getting those into long-term homes. But many of the people that were surveyed worried that they would fall in love with the animal and not be able to to adopt them out and use the term here, foster failing. Um, so taking them from a temporary basis, but falling in love with them and keeping them long term. The whole report was super informative and hit on some of the things within the shelter space that I'm not aware of and, and really highlighted some of the things that uh, Hills and a lot of wonderful partners are doing to try and get more of these animals into homes and, and staying with us longer. Last week, we hit on the increase of human food companies joining into the pet care space. And General Mills, who already owns Blue Buffalo, announced the acquisition of Farah Pets, which is a vet-founded pet supply company. And it brings a new offering with the first General Mills purchase into the pet supply category. They also did this acquisition through their newly launched growth equity fund. Uh, in the announcement, they said Farrah Pets will become part of General Mills' new growth equity fund designed to own, scale, and incubate strategically aligned businesses for future integration into the company's core portfolio. It's the third pillar of their venture fund, Gold Medal Ventures, which they have G-Works, which is an internal venture studio, and 301 Inc., which is their venture capital arm. So this growth fund here is going to be a new part of what Gold Medal Ventures. It shouldn't be something that's surprising to anyone to see the General Mills as wanting to increase their market share into the pet space. And the managing director of 301 Inc. said, In the venture capital arm, we're constantly scouting for passionate, relentless founders where General Mills has a distinct ability to accelerate their growth. Co-founders Michelle and Emily put their hearts and souls into Farrah Pets Inc. and their passion makes them a perfect first partner for the growth fund. Like we said last week, we should not be at all surprised to see more and more of these companies from the human side joining in and taking part in the pet care and the pet food industry. Now this week might be all about surveys, but here's another great one. Pet Plus Magazine surveyed pet business owners, and, and they hit on some cool highlights. 44% of these pet business owners said that their business was up over 2022, and that more than a third of them are taking home over $75,000 annually, um, which for a small business owner and someone that's owning their own pet store business is a, a great income as they're building those businesses. Pets Plus Magazine actually brought in an industry expert, Candice DeAgnolo, and what I found kind of unique was that of the metrics that they were surveying on, a large percentage of the businesses weren't measuring these numbers yet. They weren't measuring things like average number of items per transaction and average sales per square foot. Agnello did a great job in the article of hitting on why each one of these survey respondents and the metrics was important to monitor the health of the business. Uh, throughout the whole survey, my favorite question that they asked was, what make and model and year of automobile does your business most resemble and why? I sat down for a little bit and tried to think about this myself. And growing up, uh, my mom always told my basketball coaches that I was a Cadillac and I was made for comfort and not speed. But I tried to reflect a bit on what the birdbath is. And, and after thinking about it, I thought the birdbath's a fully restored 1969 Mini Cooper S. 
quick, we're light, we get you what you need, but you can still fit about 15 clowns in here and we jam as much in as we can in the shortest amount of time for you. So think about that for yourself. What does your business represent? What make, model, and year of automobile does your business most resemble and why? Put it in the comments, let us know what you guys think about your different businesses. A story near and dear to the bird bath is that bird names are changing. You may no longer hear about the fluffy-backed tit babbler, the Andean cock of the rock, or the New Zealand king shag, or perhaps even the exclamatory paradise wida. That's because the American Ornithology Society has vowed to change English bird names of all species currently named after people, along with any other bird names deemed offensive or exclusionary. Colleen Handel, the American Ornithological Society president, and a wildlife research biologist said names have power and power can be for good or it can be for bad. We want these names to be powerful in a really good way. Their goal is to decrease barriers in birding and increase the overall love of bird watching and, and people looking after these incredible species. The project's kicking off next year and they're focused on changing the names about 70 to 80 bird species in North America and that accounts for about 6 or 7% of the total species in the North American region. Now, having barriers in ornithology is not something new. Words of venery are a long-standing tradition in ornithology, and they've always created barriers for new joiners. Think of the terms of, say, a flamboyance of flamingos, a murder of crows, or an unkindness of ravens. These oddities of naming culture were always designed as a way to add a barrier for new people to be able to introduce themselves into the space. It was one of those things that was passed down from royalty to other noblesmen and other classes to be able to increase the difficulty for new people to try things. So I, for one, think it's it's great that they're going to be doing something special here to, to be able to make it a more inclusive thing. And, and the more people that are looking out and caring for birds, I think the better. Now, one PSA for everyone that's a Gmail user. Google is planning to delete inactive Gmail accounts and photos starting on December 1st. PC Magazine reported this, and it's been something that Google has been saying all year, but now that we're just a couple weeks out, we thought it was something important to bring out to everyone. So Google defines an inactive account as one that hasn't been used within a two-year period. They consider actions like signing in, reading or sending an email, using Google Drive, watching a YouTube video, sharing photos, downloading an app, and searching while signed on to the activity. So if you've done any of that in the last two years on a Google account that you've had, you're safe. But if you've got that old Gmail account that you just use for spam or maybe family emails or pictures, even if you keep something in the Google Drive and you haven't been in there in a couple years, now is your time to sign in so you don't lose access to those. They're going to start deleting things on December 1st. So friendly reminder from the birdbath, make sure you get back on there if you need to save any of your Google accounts. Another way that you can keep your Google account from getting disabled is by subscribing to the birdbath. We are live on Google Play. We're also available on Spotify, Apple, and a lot of the other podcast platforms you might listen to. So be sure to hop on, subscribe, and share the show so that you don't miss out any of the episodes. And for more on these stories and more, join us by subscribing to The Fountain Report. We've got a link in the bio. We always appreciate your feedback, so make sure you rate the show. 
For The Birdbath, I'm Ryan Leach. See you next week.